welcome to Ridgewood Talks. Through this podcast, we will be introducing you to some of the leaders and legends in our village. We'll keep you updated about fascinating local events, and we'll dig into the town's hot topics and so much more. But first, let me introduce myself. I'm Jeannie Johnson, the founder of Ridgewood Talks and Ridgewood Walks. The goal of these initiatives is to create a kinder, more connected, and more vibrant community. I'm thrilled to be co-hosting this podcast with my good friend and all-around wonderful guy, Jordan Kaufman. We look forward to meeting with you weekly and hearing your thoughts on who and what you'd like to learn about in our beautiful hometown. Enjoy this episode. Good morning, Jordan Kaufman. I'm reporting live from northern Minnesota. How are you in Ridgewood, New Jersey? I'm good, Jeannie. You know, it's it's been an, an incredible time to uh, to be not in the Northeast where we just got hit with torrential rains over the weekend. Uh, a lot of us are a little crazed from sports being moved all over the place with fields being closed in uh, some of the area where there's been some flooding and stuff. Hopefully everyone's homes are okay. Hopefully everyone's safe and, and there's no issues. And uh, it, it's it's beautiful out now, but it was uh, it was dicey there on Friday. I'm sorry to hear that. I hope everybody is doing well. I'm sure there's a lot of chatter about what's going on with the fields. Um, and that's always an issue. And another super important topic is the Board of Education election, which is coming up on Tuesday, November the 7th. There are two board seats up in each have a three-year term. And lucky for us, seven community members have stepped up to compete for those seats. So that's pretty good that we have that much involvement and that many people paying attention to what's going on at our Board of Education. So As you know, we here at Ridgewood Talks, we want all the voters to go to the polls with as much information as possible. So we're going to talk to each one of the candidates over the next month. So our listeners here at Ridgewood Talks are going to learn more about the folks who are throwing their hat into the ring and where they stand on the issues that affect our schools. I asked, Jordan, I don't know if you saw this, but I asked voters to submit questions to our Ridgewood Talks email address. Um, So we're going to answer some of those questions during this series as well. And um, of course, we always invite listeners to attend the League of Women Voters Candidate Forum. And that forum for the Board of Education uh, election is going to be coming up really soon, October 18th from 7 to 9 p.m. at the Ed Center at Cottage Place. If you want more information on that, listeners, you can go to the Ridgewood League of Women Voters.org website. And so so our first guest in this series is here for her second time. It's Mary McCallie. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Mary is a lawyer by trade with extensive experience in multi-party commercial litigation. She's lived in Ridgewood for almost 20 years now. They've raised three kids. All the kids are products of the Ridgewood public school system. Her two boys are in college and her daughter is a student at Ridgewood High School. Mary has been active in this community since she moved here and lending most of her time to the Ridgewood public schools. 
She's the former president of the Ridgewood Education Foundation. And those of you who don't know, the Ridgewood Education Foundation is a nonprofit organization that aims to enhance our public education here in Ridgewood. The REF, they collaborate with the district's administration, its educators, the home and school associations, and the Board of Education. So it's an outstanding organization and listeners, you can learn more if you want to go and visit their website. It's Ridgewood ridgewoodedfoundation.org. Uh, so more about Mary. She has served on the home and school executive boards at Ridge School and at Ridgewood High School. Uh, she's also been involved with the HSA at GW. And for those of you who don't know, each school has a home and school association. That's the venue for parents to learn about issues taking place inside their children's school campus. And it's also a great way for parents to get to know not only their children's teachers, but other teachers, staff members, administrators, and other parents. So you know what? We very much encourage anyone who's listening to get involved with their local schools, home and school association. Um, that said, let's go back to Mary, who was uh, the president of Federated HSA. Now, Federated HSA serves as a resource for cooperative efforts among all the home and school associations in the Ridgewood Public School District. So the members of Federated include, of course, the Executive Board of Officers. And like I said, Mary was the president of that. Um, they are all former HSA presidents. And then all the current HSA presidents district-wide are part of this organization, the superintendent of Ridgewood Public Schools, and then representatives from the Board of Ed and from Ridgewood Public Schools and affiliated organizations. So all that to say, Mary, you have a wealth of information about what goes on in our Ridgewood Public School system. So welcome. Thank you for being here. And with all your experience, you certainly seem to you know, again, have a pulse on what's going on inside of our schools. So I want you to walk us through that connection. And then most importantly, I'd like you to help us understand why you feel it's important to run for the Board of Ed. And can you tell us, for listeners who um, want to learn more about you, uh, I want you to share your website address and so on. Okay. Okay, great. So thank you very much for having me. Um, I appreciate the opportunity to discuss some more about my candidacy. Um, to answer the easiest question first, so my website is mccalleyforboe.org, and it's M-I-C-A-L-E-F-O-R-B-O-E-23.org, uh, sorry. mccalleyforboe23.org is my website. Um, so I'm running for the Board of Ed because our schools are important. And we're kind of at a juncture now in Ridgewood where we have an opportunity to change the dynamic of the board itself and the way the board is interacting with the schools. And I think that I can contribute positively to the work of the Board of Ed. I really believe in the Ridgewood Public Schools and I really am so proud to have all three of my children go through the Ridgewood Public Schools and to be a part of the community that supports them. In terms of the connection between the HSAs and the Board of Ed and the schools, so each individual school has its own homeschool association and the homeschool association serves as a conduit 
for communication between the parents and the administration. And then that will go up to the BOEs, particularly at the federated level. And we also support the schools, not just financially, but in terms of providing resources, woman power and manpower to make sure that activities and things get done. And what I have found, particularly at the federated level, is that when you have a group of dedicated volunteers who really understand not just what the needs of the students and the parents are, and not just from their own individual perspectives, but from the perspective of the wider community, and also the perspectives of the teachers, you know, talk about boots on the ground, right? And the administrators and have those relationships that it expedites identification of issues and it expedites solutions to potential problems. And so that then will usually you filter down, right? But I'm going to say that kind of bubbles up then to the uh, Board of Ed at the federated level. So um, as president of federated, and that was over the past two years, that's my most recent stint. And I'm now currently, again, the president of the uh, high school HSA. But as you know, as president of Federated, we had quite a bit of things going on in this district, challenges that we had to address, initiatives that we were eager. And when I say we, I mean the community, not me personally, um, and the administration, that we were eager to get moving. And so at the Federated level, with all of these kind of knowledgeable volunteers in the room, we were able to identify issues, have constructive discussions with the Board of Ed, you know, perhaps in a way that would not have happened doesn't happen that way of public comment because public comment is limited and there's no give and take. And so we were able to, no pun intended, kind of educate some members of the Board of Ed on some of the concerns at the parent level and also educate then the parents as to what was really going on at the Board of Ed in terms of, you know, it's not... It's not as simple as saying, I'm going to be a member of the Board of Ed. Therefore, I would like to change this. I want to see this happen. I want to see that happen. That is absolutely not the role of a Board of Ed member. Board of Ed has to adhere to a code of ethics. And they have to they have to basically take an oath to understand that their job, the job of the Board of Ed, is not to run the schools, but to ensure that the schools are well run. So what does that mean? That means that... The people that run the schools, that develop curriculum, that develop teaching methods, those are the professional educators, the people that have been trained, have gone to school and have experience in educating people. The members of the Board of Ed are not those people. However, the people on the Board of Ed have an obligation to see what's going on, watch what's happening, assess, ask critical questions. If you're hearing that things are not going well, ask why, get an answer. If a initiative is put forth and it's reasonable and you vote in support of it, that's fine. Then you follow it and you see, is it working? Is it not working? If it's not working, why isn't it working? Does it need to be tweaked? And so it ends up being a collaborative relationship between all of the parties to make sure at the end of the day that the educational welfare of the students, and that's actually almost a quote from the Board of Ethics, I think it's um, educational welfare of the child, is properly taken care of at the school level. I think I answered maybe more than you asked, <laughs> but um, if there's any follow-ups. It was a there, thorough maybe. answer. That was an ex <laughs> yes, that was an excellent answer actually, and I was trying to hit my mute button to to jump in there. Yes, yeah, so um, some of the other things about being a board of ed member, let's just review some of that. Um, sure. 
The Board of Education does not, like you said, run the Bridgewood Public Schools. That's the job for the superintendent. Rather, the Board of Ed's job is to ensure the schools are well run, exactly as you said. The board does this by, number one, setting district policies and goals. Number two, communicating policies and goals to the superintendent. Number three, overseeing the budget. Number four, hiring and evaluating the superintendent. Number five, serving as the communication link between the community and the school district. So I want to go through all of these one by one. Great. So based on the questions that we have received through our email, a study just came out that said that Ridgewood has fallen out of a couple of steps um, for being one of the state's best schools. Um, I was told that one of the reasons, or two of the reasons why we lost points, even though we we did well, we haven't done as well in that particular survey in, as in the past because there is a lack of second language in the elementary school and the students are not getting enough physical education. Am I correct? Uh, you are correct. So uh, just to kind of give a little bit more um, background on that. So what you're referring to is actually not a survey. It's actually an audit that's, uh, and it's called QSAC. The bottom line is what it is, is it's a committee of, um, it's either state or county appointed individuals who come in and basically audit the district on four different areas. One of them is curriculum. One of them is, I think it's governance. One is finance and uh, facilities, okay? And they have very specific points in a rubric that we need to meet. So Ridgewood on the whole scored very well, except for curriculum, where we received a grade of 80%, which is, you know, kind of unheard of for Ridgewood because we're considered, I mean, niche.com just came out and said we were like the fifth best public school system in the state. But the uh, the state came in and evaluated our programs and we did not get good marks because uh, in spite of the fact that there is a state mandate that there needs to be live world language instruction in elementary school and a certain amount of, num- of minutes for PE instruction in elementary school, those are state mandates. Despite the fact that those state mandates have been in place for at least at least two years, okay? We didn't have that here. And we didn't have that here because the Board of Ed, at the time that those items were presented in a budget, which I believe was in, um, I want to tell you, at the end of 2021, Dr. Gorman presented that budget, um, the Board of Ed voted against it because, um, well, you'd have to go back and look at what those actual what the rationale for the votes were, but the Board of Ed opted not to approve hiring of additional PE teachers and live world language instruction. So we were out of compliance with the state mandate for no good reason, quite frankly, because we had the money. We ended up that year with a $6 million surplus in the budget. And um, as a result, we don't have as good marks on QSAC, which is a concern. Having said that, um, it's important to note that we have taken steps now to change that. The Board of Ed has recently approved the hire of new foreign language, uh, world language, excuse me, instructors at elementary school in Spanish. And I believe we have enough PE teachers now to satisfy the minutes. So the good news is that we're moving forward with a new superintendent and um, things are getting done. Um, The not so good news is that, you know, we didn't do what we were supposed to do for a while. And I think it's important to note that we're, it's kind of a new day here in Ridgewood. Um, it's been, 
you know, the past couple of years have been hard. There's been a lot of reasons why it's been hard. We've had COVID. I don't need to tell the listeners and you, you know, well, everybody actually, has had struggles, but go ahead. Yeah, Mary, I just, I do want to jump in on some of those struggles because as sure. we go over the guidelines for what a board of education member does, you know, you just touched on that, the communicating of policies and goals to the superintendent. And so we know that the superintendent recommended uh, the world language program and the PE and the board decided to ignore that. And, and that's, that's concerning, obviously, because as, as we mentioned that our scores went down and then, you know, we say that the other part is hiring and evaluating a superintendent. And so when you're talking about some of these struggles, um, from what my information has gleaned since 2020, in the last two and a half years, the Ridgewood Public School System has experienced four superintendents, two assistant superintendents for business administrators. And so I'm wondering, you know, how much instability has all this turnover caused and what is the reason for all of that turnover? I'm going to start with the easier answer first, okay, um, which is what problems are caused by such instability? Um, a lot. Now, I have to tell you that, at least from my perspective, again, boots on the ground, I think that, you know, each of the administrators in the buildings and the teachers, you know, they've not lost their dedication. They have always worked very, very hard. And so from a day to day basis, to the extent that good things were in place and people were able to continue to do their jobs at the building levels, I think things went well. Okay. There's no question that the loss of leadership at the Ed Center is enormously, you know, unsettling and it does cause a lack of stability because you don't have anybody running the ship. Okay. So first we, you know, we lost Dr. Fishbein and then we had Dr. Gorman who served as an interim and then came in as our formal superintendent and then he left. And then this past year we had Dr. Leonard Fitz who was only an interim superintendent. And we didn't have leadership at the top, particularly in the last year, for things to get put in front of the board, recommendations to be made, which is what the job of the superintendent is, to you know further the curriculum and further the education of our students. And so even though uh, we ultimately ended up with world language teachers, we had an entire debacle at the board where all this work was done and the uh, supervisors created a plan for world language teachers. Uh, people were offered jobs and then the, uh, the board determined not to hire them because they weren't given appropriate information. So things were, were very destabilizing. That's the only way I can put it. And there's no question in my mind that at least at the elementary level in the past couple of years, there were deficiencies in the curriculum as a result of that. Um, the business administrator's office has seen a tremendous amount of turnover. As we have a new superintendent, we now have a new business administrator, Julie Cott, who appears to be fantastic. When the old business administrator left and then we had an interim who was in here for a couple of months, we didn't even have a budget. And so the result was that our budget was delayed in being prepared. The budget is not clear. We ended up last year, not this year, we haven't finished the audit for this year, but last year we had a $12 million surplus under that BA. Um, and, you know, just so that everybody understands what surplus means, it seems obvious. It means that there was money in the budget, right, which was the basis for some of our taxes that was not used. So money that was not used and yet we were deficient in you know, some pretty key areas in terms of curriculum. And also there were a lot of facilities work that needed to be done that wasn't done. So clearly 
when you don't have someone watching the books the way they're supposed to be and administering the business side of things and administering the educational side of things uh, as a superintendent. And then, you know, we lost our assistant superintendent of curriculum and we now have an interim superintendent of curriculum. You know, you don't have that overarching sense of where are we going What's important to us? How do we reach the goals? How do we address all these different cohorts of learners that we have? And people are kind of running around. That's, again, that's the bad news, right? The good news is that we now have, you know, it's a new day. And, and I keep saying that because I think it's important to acknowledge that we have now new administration in place. Um, the past couple of meetings, you know, run at the Board of Ed level have been really well run. The board is working hard at developing goals that are clear for the superintendent to understand what he needs to do for the year. Um, so I think we're on the right track. But what's important is that we keep on the right track. And that's one of the reasons why this election is so important, because in, at the board level, we need to make sure that the people sitting in those seats at the Board of Ed meetings are committed to doing what their job is and are committed to furthering the tradition of excellence at the Richard Public Schools. Well, you know, I, I'm glad that you brought that up because again, now we'll touch on that fifth point. It's um, the role of a board of education member is serving the community, serving as the communication link between the community and the school district. And I think that's really important um, that we have somebody that can efficiently communicate what the goals, not only of parents of students that are in the district, but also people like me. I am a, a empty nester, and so I'm I'm a community member, and I feel like my voice matters too because I'm a taxpayer. Absolutely, help, you know, I help provide for the school district. So, and, um, and can I just jump in right there, just one second, because I think you just raised a really, really important point. Not only because you're a taxpayer, right, which is very important because you are in fact funding the schools with your tax dollars, but the other thing is it's important, and I know that you understand this, is that every member of the community, whether or not they actually are in the school or have a kid in the school, benefits from having excellent schools. Okay, oh, for sure. You want My property values community. are... Yeah. Your property values and you want to have a community full of people that are well educated, that understand how to interact with each other in a civic way, in a in an intelligent way. And yes, so so it's very important always to remember that the schools do not only benefit the kids that are in there every day. Um, so thanks so much, Mary, for taking us through some of the uh, obstacles that uh, the Board of Ed and the Ridgewood Education System has faced and some of those challenges can you tell us a little bit about what your priorities are if you're to win this seat and how you're going to enact some of the change and visions that's really going to help the town? So that's an excellent question. Thank you for getting to the point. You know, as I say, it's a new day. We're going to move forward. So how do I want to move forward? Well, the first thing we need to do is we need to reestablish a positive, collaborative working relationship between the Board of Ed and district administrators. That's the first thing. Uh, the second thing we need to do, and maybe at the same time, is we need to reestablish a positive, collaborative working relationship among the members of the board. Healthy debate is good. Critical decision making is good, but it needs to be done in a respectful and constructive way. So how am I going to do that? I think you do that by walking into the room with an open mind and understanding that you may not in fact be the smartest person in the room. I never claim to be the smartest person in the room. Okay. I listen and I understand, and I've certainly made it a mark, not only of my uh, volunteering, but also professionally, you take the ideas from every party and you try to find a middle solution. Negotiation skills are really important, even when everybody's on the same side. So my approach 
is really an important part of what I think recommends me for this seat, because that is what infuses every decision that is made. Uh, with regard to the budget, this is a huge priority because the budget is not clear. And we need to understand what it is, you know, how much money we have, what are the immutables, what are the expenses that we have to pay, regardless, there are things outside of our control. What are the things that are the priorities of the district that we need to fix now or that we need to address now? What do we knew what do we need to do to address them? And then what are the things that we are part of our like aspirational goals and where do they fit into the needs and then value judgments need to be made in collaboration with the community and with the administrators and the teachers as to what aspirational goals we can fund at any given time. So, you know, operating a budget, it's a very complex thing. But right now, I don't think anyone has any idea really what's in that budget. Superintendent, frankly, almost said as much that they're they're really delving into what the budget is and they're trying to figure that out. That's essential. I don't think you can overstate that. So that's one of my priorities. I also think that, you know, there's been a lot of concern uh, at the elementary level about the reading program. There is not a clear sense in the community as to, uh, you know, what the building blocks of the reading program are. I think we need to find out what they are. I think we need a clear explanation and then we need to stress test it. Are our students learning how to read, understanding that there are different cohorts of learners in that regard? I would say the same thing with regard to the math program. Uh, we have a new math supervisor. I've met with her personally. She is fantastic. She is very enthusiastic and she's very well read on math. And she's working on the math curriculum, the pathways to different advanced math within the district. She's looking at the sequencing. We recently changed the sequencing between uh, geometry and algebra. She's looking at that. She's tweaking that program. And so there's a lot of good work being done. And I don't think anybody really knows it. So we need to get that out there. It needs to be clear. And then we need to start the, you know, that process of how is this working? Is it working? What are the assessment tools that we use internally, test results, parental experience, teacher experience? And then we need to move forward in a clear way. There's been a lot of, um, and I'm not trying to go back to the past, but, you know, I think we did as well as we could in some ways uh, in the past with a lot of what's gone on, but it's a new day. Let's move forward clearly and uh, efficiently, which means timely decisions at meetings, showing up prepared to board meetings, knowing what it is that your community says, not just one part of the community, the entire community, and communicating outwardly, as well as you listen to what's coming in, in terms of the input. I hope that answers what my priorities are. Thank you. Yes. Um, you seem to be very well informed. And so I want to know, have you met personally with the new superintendent? Um, not he and I alone, but I have. I've sat with him at Federated. I've been at every single Board of Ed meeting. I've shaken his hand a couple of times. But yeah, I have, uh, you know, we've talked it, you know, just at some of the meet and greet. But yes, I, I sat with him at Federated when he presented Federated last month. And we're going to do it again this Thursday. And he's, you know, he's very clear on what the job is ahead of him. Okay, that's great. Um, Jordan, do you have any other questions? I mean, I feel like this is a really thorough interview. Uh, you've touched on the history that people are curious about. Uh, you have definitely laid out a very clear picture for the vision that you have for the future. And um, if you don't mind, Mary, just because for me, no, please know, go ahead. I don't, you know, I, I attend the, the board of ed meetings, uh, Sprackley. It's usually through, through Zoom. 
Um, And one of the ways, though, that the school systems beyond my my kids in the school systems, uh, one of the big things that that touches us is is the HSA. And that's a place where you have a ton of experience. And I, I wonder for some of the parents who their main form of communication is through HSA and through the HSA representatives, how does that you know, how should people think about that with respect to the board of ed? How does your experience there potentially become a game changer? What, you know, in what ways can uh, the residents who have kids in the school system uh, use that mechanism as well as have confidence that, you know, their voice is being heard if there's someone from the HSA with your kind of experience up there uh, on the BOE uh, helping their, you know, ideas and perspectives get heard and, and uh, attended to? So the first thing is in terms of generally the HSA, okay, the the best way to utilize your HSA to get information and to be heard is to go to those HSA meetings um, and to volunteer and be, you know, to be part of part of the process. You develop relationships with people Um, at the, for example, I can speak, you know, best right now to the RHS HSA. At the RHS HSA meeting, we ask people for questions ahead of time. What do you want to know about what's going on in the school? So do you have a question for Jeff Nias on last year? There were a lot of questions on later start. Do you have a question uh, about the math sequencing curriculum? Do you have a question? There's going to be a lot of questions probably about what's going on with the high school fields right now, right? So we operate as a conduit. Those questions are asked live to the administrators. The administrators come to the meeting and you have an opportunity to have and give and take right there. So you get a more informal conversation with a broader answer within the context of those meetings. In terms of that being an advantage to have somebody who's got the kind of HSA experience I have on the board, I think there are numerous uh, advantages to that. Number one, I have a relationship with a lot of administrators within the district. So I understand what it, I've watched them. I, you know, sometimes I just sit back and observe them. I understand what they're doing. I observe some of the external and internal uh, pressures that are on them. I'm a parent. I'm a parent. I know a lot of parents. I've talked to a lot of parents. So I've had access to a variety of experiences. All of that is knowledge that I've kind of collected that I would then bring with me to a seat on the board. Accessibility to the board members is very, very important. And I'm not the only one who would offer that. I'm not suggesting that, but that accessibility is important. What's important though, is to remember that once you sit on the board of ed, okay, you are not only the voice for maybe the two out of 10 people that have sought your ear, okay? You don't go in there with a preconceived agenda. The point is to be accessible and to be a listener and then a communicator, but for everyone and to understand at the end of the day that your votes and your priorities have to reflect the priorities, you know, of the majority and of the whole, okay? So so I think that that's very important. But I think that I have, you know, institutional knowledge in the sense that I kind of know what's gone on. People ask me questions about the calendar and I can refer to my experience on the calendar committee. Uh, People ask me questions about, well, I'm very concerned about X, Y, Z. And I can say, talk directly to Dave Bailey at the high school or talk to Jeff Nias. He's a great guy. So I have the sense of what's been going on at all these different levels at the high school. And I, I can't see how that information does anything other than help me when I'm trying to make decisions, when I need to get information for the district as a whole. Does that answer your question? Thoroughly. Yes. 
<laughs> Very well yes, said, I, Mary. I talk yes. a lot. Sorry about that. <laughs> Not at all. I mean, you've definitely been very informative on this interview, and I really want to thank you so much for giving us your time. Once again, why don't you give our listeners your website address and tell them how they can learn more about you? Okay. So um, you can learn more about me by uh, going to my website, which is www.com. Uh, mccallieforboe23.org. It has a lot of information on it. You can always email me at um, mccallieforboe23 at gmail.com. I have a Facebook account, Mary McCallie, and I have a Facebook page that you can follow, Mary McCallie for BOE23. And I have, I'm going to a lot of coffees. I am participating in the League of Women Voters debate. Let me start with that. And I've also just filled out a survey of Voters 411 that's put out by the League, which has some questions they ask all of the candidates to answer. I'm going to every single HSA meeting to talk a little bit about my candidacy. And I would be more than happy to meet a group of people or one or two people, talk to you on the phone, meet with you. I I have, like I said, coffees that are scheduled. I can make sure you can get to one if you're not aware of one, where you can talk to me one-on-one and in a group about what it is that I think is important, what I bring to, you know, the seat, and also just to get an assessment of who you think I am. At the end of the day, an election is a job interview. Basically, all of us are interviewing for the job with the community. So you need to look not only at the skills and the talents and the experience that each individual candidate brings, but what you need to look at is who are they? Can they work with people? Can they work with me? Are they the kind of person, is their approach the kind of approach that I want to see at the board of ed level or not? And I think that's a really important factor because the the personal characteristics of each of us and there, you know, we all have our strengths and we all have our weaknesses. At the end of the day, you need to make an assessment as to who it is you want there casting those votes one way or another and creating those policies that are going to affect your your kids and your schools and ultimately your community. Very well said. Uh, thank you again so much for being here. I really appreciate it. And I wish you, I wish okay. you all the best. And I, I thank you both so much. I appreciate your, your patience with me as I kind of went on and, uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you about this. Thank you so much. Thank you.